Welcome to the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where we celebrate and learn from the wisdom of authentic, brilliant, conscious, and creative women from all around the world. This podcast will leave you inspired, empowered, and equipped to become truly iconic. And now, here is your host, Akena. She is a transformational coach and speaker. This interview is rich. It is, it's just going to inspire you and encourage you. It's going to speak to your mind. It's going to speak to your spirit. I'm really excited for you guys to listen and learn from our special guest today. But before we go into it, before we get into it, I have to tell you of something yummy that we have coming through the pipeline. It is Iconic Womanhood Live, our first virtual weekend experience. You know, every year I have a retreat and it's an executive retreat for high achieving women. They get to come together, take off their titles and have this gorgeous, luxurious, adventurous, transformative experience. That is actually my specialty. I've been hired by companies to come and do exactly the same thing for their leaders. And I do this for women every year. But of course, because of COVID, I've had to rethink things. And this has presented this opportunity to create this virtual experience for more women across the globe and make it more accessible. But let me tell you, it's still going to have all of the exciting components that we bring together that will awaken you, that will empower you, that will transform you from your money to your honey baby. We have relationship care, we have soul care, self-care, but we also have productivity and performance Let me tell you, I'm going to give you the blueprint of becoming an icon. You're going to hear from global icons across the diaspora and so much more. To learn all about this and to register, you don't want to miss it. It's November 6th to the 8th. You want to go to iconicwomanhood.com slash live. Again, that's iconicwomanhood.com slash live. Now, let's get into the hot sauce the magic moments of this interview. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Iconic Womanhood Podcast, where I have the privilege of bringing to you stories and wisdom from iconic women across the diaspora. And today we have a special guest, Ms. Abba Kwau. And I love how she told me to pronounce her last name because it's iconic already. Wow with a K. So get it right, ladies. (laughs) Let me tell you why she's a wow with a K, okay? She's a seasoned creative communication strategist with over 18 years of experience with lifestyle brands in the fashion, entertainment, hospitality, and luxury sectors. And if you are fortunate enough to follow her Instagram, I mean, she has had some incredible conversations in the last few months. Her COVID experience has not been our COVID experience, let me tell you. All right. She is the founder of TAA, TA Public Relations, formerly the ABBA Agency, which is a results-oriented communications and special events boutique specializing in luxury, lifestyle, fashion, design, entertainment, and hospitality. She has worked with some of the most recognizable brands, including Cirque du Soleil, the Ritz-Carlton Hotels, 
La Durée, Shake Shack, the Smithsonian Institute, Vogue magazine, and many more. She represents lifestyle brands seeking expertise in public relations, marketing, social media, brand development, and event production. So without further ado, can the crowd go wild for Miss Abba Kwao? Wow with a K. <laughs> wow with a K. Wow Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. I love reading and learning about women who are doing it, right, across the diaspora. Mm -hmm. Now, you're based in the U.S., but you are yes. originally from Ghana? I am from Ghana, yes. Yes. So that made it even, um, even sweeter because I'm also West African. And yeah. I've had the privilege of visiting Ghana a couple of times. Uh, oh, of, wonderful. Yes, really enjoy it. I keep threatening my people like, you know what, Nigeria, <laughs> like, don't get it together. <laughs> Me, I'll right. just move. <laughs> you move. See I'll just life. move. I'll see see my life. <laughs> see it. <too. laughs> you know, it's just a matter of jollof. I'll be there. Oh, oh you know. my gosh. <laughs> Let's not get started. We're not going to start that this no, morning. No, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> but it's so beautiful. And I love connecting with just my sisters across the diaspora. From I feel like every woman is my sister. But, you know, you have a particular connection when we have similar things sure. in our cultures and whatnot. So, Abba, really, I want to celebrate Very you true. today. I've been following you for a while. I love the work you guys have been doing. I love the level of excellence you bring to it. And oh. it's just inspiring. So thank you for joining you. us today. Absolutely. I'm, it's, a, it's an honor to be here with you today. So thank you. Yes. So please tell us a little bit about your journey to where you are now, because I know that a lot of people listen to this podcast across the diaspora, whether in Lagos or in the U.S., and they're thinking, gosh, she's worked with amazing brands. I was watching you talk to Andre Leontali on your page and Diane von mm -hmm. Fustenberg, and I was like, come on, come on, do it, do it, right? So how did you get here? Like, tell us your story. Story. Wow. So my story is a, a long and twisted and winding road. Uh, I'll tell you that this is my third career. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, like many uh, African children, my parents were not uh, very keen on me going into a career in the arts. You know, so as a very young person, I always said I wanted to work in the fashion industry. And I remember my father, uh, who was, you know, a very high level scientist saying to me, you know, what? <laughs> you know, you want to be a tailor. Uh -huh. <laughs> I didn't come to America and put you people through, you know, all of this. Um, you know, so what happened is I uh, went into the sciences first and studied uh, and went into cancer research, um, which is the area that he, his career was, was in genetics. And so after three years of doing that at Georgetown University, working in the cancer center, you know, I really, it wasn't my calling, though I did well at it. it I just didn't feel like this is what's my, going to be my life's work. Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time, um, reading an article in Vogue magazine of a Lawrence Steele, young uh, African-American man who lived in, was from Chicago, but was living in Europe and ghost designing for some of the, the biggest uh, luxury fashion brands. And, you know, it just inspired me so much to just 
go ahead and follow my dream. So, you know, I applied to graduate school, I picked up my bags and moved to London. And of course, you know, satisfying my parents, you know, I went to graduate school, so they felt a little bit, you know, better mm -hmm. about letting mm -hmm. me, you mm -hmm. know, pursue that career path. And so I, I went to London, I did a master's um, in, in fashion, in marketing for fashion and design. Um, and really had a you know wonderful experience uh, living um, there, um, but came back uh, to Washington D.C. where I am now, and I was supposed to be here for a six-week stint after I finished school and go back and move to, to France, move to Paris, mm -hmm. um, and continue going to school because, you know, Africans, that's what we do, we school. Yes. And um, I was good <laughs> at it. It was, a, it was a safety net, um, you know, and uh, I met my husband during that short trip. And um, I remember saying to him, you know, we can't get really serious because I'm moving. I'm going, I'm going to move to Paris. <laughs> and he said, okay, you know, mm -hmm. if, if it happens and I'll go with you. And, you know, here we are 19 years and two kids later, wow. I never left. Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, I went, went to Paris on leisure, but didn't, didn't yeah. uh, go there to go to school once again. And so I found myself in Washington DC with a fashion graduate degree and all of these relationships and dreams, but DC was a very uh, conservative, powerful town mm -hmm. um, at the time. It's still very powerful and far less conservative today, mm -hmm. but the kind of work that I had dreamt of and the kind of life that I wanted to live, I, I, it just didn't exist. Um, so I went to work for Saks Fifth Avenue. I went to work for an independent company that did wardrobe styling and consulting for professional athletes. Uh, that was my first kind of glimpse into the entrepreneurial world. I, I wasn't, that wasn't really my, my dream. But when I went to work for Shelly and Steven, I saw what it looked like to run your own business. Um, I got a wealth of training and experience in the celebrity world. And so when they decided um, after some time to close that business or to not necessarily close the business, but the, the two owners separated, mm -hmm. there I was with all of this education, all of this experience and nowhere to go. <clears throat> so I had an intern in those days who was a student at Howard University. And she had asked me to come and do some visiting lectures, which I did. Um, and there was someone retiring from the art department and the school re recruited me. So I went to be a full-time lecturer uh, at Howard. So that's career number two. Wow. And I, I did that for seven years. And it was a great time because, you know, when you're surrounded by, and I was 26 years old at that time, you know, surrounded by young people um, coming from the industry, coming from an international background, you know, there was a great exchange that we were able to have where I learned a lot from them having not attended an HBCU. I learned a lot from them being um, of a different um, age group and generation. Uh, they kept me on my toes with very smart questions, but also I was able to impart quite a bit from, to them from my experience because I was also someone they could identify with uh, being, you know, at that time, the youngest person on the arts faculty. Um, and so I always just had this itch to continue. Academia was not my, 
my path and especially at that point in my life. Mm -hmm. So I um, continued to teach, but the beauty of academia is you have flexibility. So when I was not in the classroom, I was out actually working in industry in New York, in Miami, continuing with my relationships and my knowledge in the fashion world. And I would take my students along. So you did well in my classes. They knew that they had the opportunity to travel with me. They had the opportunity to work on the projects, meet designers, and it also provided me with the help that I needed at the time. Mm -hmm. So uh, as my business grew, it became very difficult to continue to do both. Um, and then I had my daughter at that time and I decided, you know what, this is all too much. So I left academia and uh, took the risk of focusing on uh, my, my company or independent uh, consulting at the time. And honestly, brick by brick, client by client, um, you know, with the grace of God, I built that company uh, and that is now 18 years old. Uh, wow. This August, actually. Yeah. Congratulations. So, so in, in, yes, Huge. thank you. In short, uh, you know, that was, that's my journey. Wow. And what a journey. What a wow-woo, as we would say. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love the whole, the twists and the turns, the curves of life, right? So you kind of, Correct. you know, you, you own your curves. So I love uh, it. Yeah. it. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. What are some of the life lessons that you would say you learned as you have been taking this journey through three careers and, and the love of your life and children and, and fabulousness oh all through? Yes. <laughs> life lessons. Wow. There are many, <clears throat> you know, there, I've learned a lot. I'm still learning, you know, uh, one thing that I, I did learn from a client last year, Wolfgang Puck, you know, he's reached the upper echelons of the culinary wow. world, you know, love and we were sitting, I love him. I was sitting at breakfast with him and he said, you ha he, he said, I have to leave in the morning, but I promise I'll be back in a day to continue our, our press interviews that we were working on. I said, well, where are you going? <laughs> you just got here. And he said, I'm going to Boston to school. And I was fascinated by that because he's 70 plus. He's well established and accomplished. Yes. He says, oh, I'm a student at Harvard. That's right. That's what I'm talking about. You know, I've always wanted to study and to learn. And you must remain curious and continue to learn your entire life. And... I filed that away because the people that I'm around, I make sure I take little nuggets from people who are successful uh, and people who are not successful. I take little nuggets and learn. And I filed that away. And so for me, life lessons, I'm always learning, uh, always looking to learn. So there have been many things. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with that. Um, but I will say that, you know, my father used to say to me, do not despise the day of small, small beginnings. beginnings. That's right. And as a young woman in my 20s, I didn't understand that because I'm a real type A person. Mm -hmm. You know, what's next? What are we doing? Let's go, get up, mm -hmm. you, know, um, you know, and wanted to achieve many things. And I remember he would always say, do not despise the day of small beginnings. And mm -hmm. I really appreciate that now, looking back, I have worked in a stock room 
where I was overqualified, you know. However, I had to start in the stock room, folding yeah. sweaters and doing inventory. And I hated it and I would cry. <laughs> but when I was on the, on the other side of the business and management, I could understand every level right. of the business. That's right. And I had a different view because I'd been in that stock room. That's right. So mm-hmm. I have been an executive assistant mm-hmm. and I was well overqualified for that, uh, that job and a very respectable job. And it was a very, you know, wonderful woman that I worked for who taught me a lot. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even in that position where I was told to go and get lunch or go to Bed Bath & Beyond and buy glasses for an executive who was coming in for a meeting in our office where I had a graduate degree in the subject matter that they were coming to discuss and I could have written the briefs and the case studies and run the sessions, I had to swallow my pride and go get brownies and go scrub the the stickers Mm. off of the new glasses Mm. and serve water, you know, in the meetings, which Mm. was extremely, difficult for me to do at the time because I felt I had so much more but they couldn't see me but she was a woman who told me back then and she had 30 years in the industry at the time pay your dues that's right Hmm. and so as a young person sometimes we don't see that but looking back now I appreciate all of those experiences some of them were very difficult for me some of them you know were wonderful but now I experience all that I learned I I appreciate excuse me all that I learned from those times. The other thing I will say is um, something my mother said to me and continues to say to me because I still require a lot of mothering. I love her for that. Oh my God, yes. You are not a grasshopper, she tells me. She told me that this week, matter of fact, because her point is sometimes I say, oh my gosh, I can't believe me. They want me? I am the one, you know, on Zoom with Mark Jacobs and Naomi Campbell and mm-hmm. Andre, me. And mm-hmm. she always would say, why not you? That's right. That's You're not right. a grasshopper. Don't see yourself that way because other people don't see you that way. They see you as a giant. You know, so mm-hmm. understanding as a young woman, as a woman, as a woman of color, all of those things, a businesswoman, a mother, you know, we have our own internal struggles. And learning that we are not grasshoppers, we are enough, we are powerful, um, you know, is a a life lesson that that I would share. There are many, 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 many more, you know, going into motherhood. Uh, I I didn't even take maternity leave. I took two weeks. Oh, my. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Because I was afraid. I was was afraid. Mm -hmm. I, I remember hiding my pregnancy until I couldn't hide it anymore. <laughs> you know, with oh. my client, I was afraid. I wasn't sure how they would judge me if they mm. would not, uh, if they would take the contracts from me. If, uh, you know, I just was, I didn't know what to expect. Right. You know, so all of these things you learn as you go through them, um, you know, how to balance your life, how to show up, uh, you know, all of those things. So we could talk for hours. I could I write a book could. on those things. You could. <laughs> listen, you should write a book. You, I see the title right now. You are oh not a gosh. grasshopper. You're not a grasshopper. How about that? Okay. I love it. And and the lessons you shared, thank you, because they are so, there's such depth to them, right? Um, the the idea about the growth mindset and, and how every successful person I've met as well, 
that is one of the things you see, the difference. And it's interesting because the people who are not moving forward tend to be less focused on growth and education. They tend to, you know, say, oh, it's not, they don't invest in themselves as much where people like, you know, and that, thank you for that great story because I think that's one of the stories that people will remember on this podcast. That someone like Wolfgang Puck, who I have had the pleasure of eating his meals, both mm-hmm. at his main, like one of his big restaurants and one of his, the ones with his names on it, and have met once in a once, just once briefly. It's amazing mm-hmm. that someone like that is still going to school. And oh, yes. how important it is that you never really get to the place where you say, I've arrived. And I'm now, I'm now on top and how important that is. And this thing you said about humility, about being willing to pay your dues. I think that that is such a critical lesson that perhaps in this new season where things are much more accessible and there are not many gatekeepers anymore that um, people are missing because there's a seasoning that happens when you go through the process of humbling yourself and paying your dues and this is what i'm seeing that women like yourself who have been able to do that you get to where you're going to get to but that success is grounded yes that success is soulful and it's sustainable and a lot of people who haven't who have skipped that process who went right to the boardroom right without going through the mailroom as it were they're, they tend to get there very quickly. There's an arrogance that can happen. There's a, a lack of understanding that can happen that can cause that success to be two things, either toxic or unsustainable. Yes, you're, you're absolutely right. And, you know, there's a new era that we're in, the digital era, the instant gratification era. And I'm not uh, judging or... Um, looking down my nose at anyone who achieved instant, instant success. However, you're right. Yeah. You know, the resilience that comes from building brick by brick um, is very different from what comes from instant success, I will say. And I talk to a lot of people and uh, especially, you know, here we are looking down the nose at a global pandemic, you know, that none of us expected that has brought us all to our knees And there are people who will not be able to navigate this type of disruption. They just will not because they haven't been through anything. That's right. They haven't seen anything, you know. So I lived through the market crash of 2008, which is nothing compared to what we're looking at now. Um, But I remember losing the majority of my business overnight. Mm -hmm. And I remember how shocking that was. Mm -hmm. And it took me a long time, years to recover from that, quite frankly. But because I went through something like that years ago, I promised myself I wouldn't be caught slipping, if you will. That's right. Mm -hmm. You know, so everything from my financial situation, um, you know, savings, uh, the way that I've diversified my business to make sure that I do not find myself in the Mm -hmm. position that I found myself in, in 2008, where the circumstances hit, we couldn't do anything about it. And there we were. So yeah. this has been an awful uh, period for, for most people um, for many reasons. And it has hit all of us around the world. However, I've seen some adversity. Yeah. I've lived through some things. Um, I'm a prayerful, a prayerful person, a person of faith. Mm-hmm. And I've been able to navigate this season of my life without being completely 
uh, gutted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I was going to ask you about challenges, what challenges you face and you started to share some of yeah. them already and you've already started to share some of the ways you overcame them. I'm a woman of faith myself. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's, it's a core of my life. I don't think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm, for me, I'm a Christian. And girl, I don't know how you can make it without Jesus. That's just me, the way I feel yes. um, because it is every day how I get through and like you said, like we've been through, when you've been through, you're like, it's okay. I remember mm-hmm. when um, this was going on, at, you know, when we were really at the height of the uncertainty, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was saying to a friend, last, last, we're going to start farming. Last, last. You know, like the worst case scenario, we're going to mm-hmm. be okay. I know it's yes. scary. Mm-hmm. I know we might lose everything that we think is important, but we're now coming to realize what's really important. So you're 100% right. Um, this, this is really about building resilience and people that can come through this and shift their mindsets will be more prepared for the next seasons that maybe there may be more to come you know oh yes of course over your life there's always going to be something you know so I hear young people that I talked to one of them was saying oh I've been feeling suicidal I've been feeling you know again I am I'm built from a different cloth so I'm not judging anyone I am you know that's just me I'm a, a glass half full person and again being a person of faith I I can't you know, I've had very low moments, don't get me wrong, but I'm yeah. not one to despair. Yeah. And so when I hear that, I'm like, what? But I also know that they haven't been through anything. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. You haven't been through anything. And if you don't have a foundation of experience and I think of faith, you will find yourself in moments like this in a place of despair. Nothing wrong with all of us feeling sad, all of us feeling, you know, a little lost, quite frankly. I went through those stages over these five months, you know, that, that is absolutely normal. You know, I hear Michelle Obama, I didn't listen to her podcast, mm-hmm. um, but she mentioned yesterday or two days ago how she's feeling a low-grade yeah. uh, depression. And I thought, wow, her? You know, yeah. and she's one of my kind of North Stars Icons. that I look at as women. You That's know, right. she... she you and I'm, I'm glad she said it because what it validates other people who may be feeling that way but that's she's right. right about everything that's going on around us is can be overwhelming yeah and if you are not grounded in faith if you are not grounded in yourself or have a support system around you you will despair um and so all that to tie back to what we were speaking of about having gone through things and challenges i've seen some things and i know that uh, through faith, uh, we're going to be okay. That's right. That's, I think, one of the, if that's the one message that we get from this season, you're going to be okay. Just yes. hold on. You're going to be okay. Yes. <laughs> Things will yes. not be the same. No. Uh, you know, they will never be the same. Um, you know, but we go through these cycles in life. Mm-hmm. You look back in history, you look at the 1920s plagues, you look at the 1800s, like every, there's cycles. Things yeah. that come and completely disrupt the world and something new emerges. And I think Absolutely. we're going through one of those experiences now. And, you know, as a business person, I'm also looking at that to say, okay, we're not going to be the same. What does that mean for my industry? 
Absolutely. I think it's so important, especially as women, right, to have the ability to be adaptable and flexible and, and roll with it, right? Because, I mean, we go through that period. Even if we weren't going through a pandemic, we're going through it in different ways, even just in the basic aging, right? Correct. So I'm in my late 40s and I was, you know, I have these jokes when I talk and I say, listen, if you have a static image of yourself, right, you will struggle when you're, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, when your girls are no longer standing the way they mm-hmm. once were, and they're now mm-hmm. going on dates with your belly button, like, hold on a minute, <laughs> this was not the discussion, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, you're starting to get gray and, and you see when women have been able to allow and lean into the natural evolution that is happening, whether it's with their bodies and whatnot, they age in a beautiful and more graceful way versus when you're struggling to hold on to this once was. And it's this metaphor for our businesses, for our relationships as well, because your relationship goes through ebbs and flows and and it evolves. So I I think that is a, a necessary lesson and how we can live our best lives. So yes, but you have to have it goes back to what you're centered on. There you go. You know what I mean? If yeah. you're centered on uh, frivolous things, yeah, uh, skin deep things, then you'll find yourself devastated when you start going gray and as you said, putting on weight as you grow or whatever it is yes. that comes with yeah. with life. Yeah. You know, so it's really where where your center and your core is. Mm. Mm, I love that. And I love that you, you were saying that, especially in the industry and in the space that you work in, where people can have a, um, an idea that with your fabulousness, that there is just there, they don't always see the depth behind all the wonderful photos and the, the glamour of your industry. So yes, no. where is your center? What is your core? Because that's what's going to keep you. Yeah. With that, I have an additional kind of follow-up question. When you look at the world today, and, and this is across the diaspora, right, women in general, what do you think women need to do more or less of to be successful? Hmm. Good question, because what's so interesting is what I would have said in uh, September mm-hmm. is different from what I'm going to tell you today, because mm. that's how quickly life has changed due to the pandemic due to the Black Lives Matter uh, movement, Um, you know, many, many things, Me Too movements that, you know, in recent years, many things have changed. And I always think of, I ask myself sometimes, what would I tell my 21-year-old self with the knowledge that I have now? Or what will I tell my daughter who is 12? You know, and I tell her a lot of things, (laughs) you know, what what do I say to her? What do women need to do to be successful? Um, I think for me, there are a few things. I like the idea of being, of preparedness, being prepared. By that, I mean, if you want to be successful in a certain area, study that thing, eat, sleep, dream it, Mm. study it, be extremely knowledgeable in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so that at any given point when your moment arrives, you're ready. That's right. You're over-prepared. Even. That's right. And that's what I'm going to tell you from those uh, adverse moments I was sharing earlier in our chat where I was thinking, 
what do you mean go get the lunch? You know, I have a graduate degree. I could write and run circles around this meeting, but it wasn't my time. Mm. When my time came, I was well seasoned and was able to step into the role that I've been, you know, smarting to step into for years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so I say be prepared, right. overly prepared, so that when your moment appears, you're mm-hmm. ready. Mm-hmm. Other thing I will say is have confidence mm-hmm. and believe that you're enough. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that more and more and more today with the toppling of different constructs. I'm seeing editors in chief that we've all, you know, admired and read and revered and feared for 30 years plus having their core shaken because mm-hmm. the world has changed. That's right. You know, and so having a perspective, having a point of view, being somewhat unapologetic about that also seems to be something that is valued in the world we live in today. Mm-hmm. Shying away from it doesn't work. That's right. Playing, playing small doesn't work. You know, I'm a generation Xer. I'm a Ghanaian, you know, different from you Nigerians. I'll say that. You guys have all are bold. That's, been our, yes. that's not our problem. Our problem yeah, is no. turning it down. No. Yes. <laughs> yes. yes. Turn it down. Sit over there, please. You know, take, please. Take it down. You're you not know, the only one in the room. <laughs> I, you know, so we were not raised that way. We're raised to be humble, to be, to be mm. meek. Uh, again, to be very, very, very um, yeah. uh, well-educated, just like you all. You know, all of those things. But the presentation has always been to be meek. Yeah. speak softly, you know, walk with a big stick. Like that's our culture, you know? So overcoming that in my life has also been a challenge, right? Um, Because I was raised to be, to be a certain way. Um, But, but I'm a very fiery person. So being okay with being that fiery person I've come to know. So Mm. today in the world we live in, I will tell my daughter to be bold. Yes. I'll tell my daughter to speak your mind in love, of course, but if you feel a certain way about it, understand your point of view and articulate it, mm-hmm. but also don't be too big to be taught something different mm-hmm. to change your mind, mm-hmm. you know? So I think what I say to people and to women to be successful today is to not be apologetic, to have a point of view, um, you know, a- a- and speak up, be bold. You're not a grasshopper. You're not a grasshopper. Um, Abba, book title. Mm-hmm. 20, coming 2021. Watch oh this space. Oh my goodness. Lord. Watch this space. Watch this if space. God says so, it'll happen. But it is so. Right now, I'm like, ah. no, a book. I don't know. Abba, <laughs> listen, they told me I have prophetic uh, something. So no just prepare. All right. So but I will no. report back. Yes, please. Yes, please. You heard it here first. No, but these are real, very real um, statements around, you know, being bold. And and the thing you said at the very beginning is one of my pillars, right? Mastery. That preparedness, getting to that level of mastery. And it's such an important message in today's world where we are constantly saying, and truly so, right? Start before you're ready. 
So you do want to start before you're ready, but you do want to do the work to get ready, right? And be prepared, like Abba has said. So I think there's been such a depth of just wisdom that you have shared with us. And um, I I really enjoyed this conversation. I feel like, you know, it's, it's, I would expect nothing less, right? This is like, (laughs) you know, rich, you know how you have the rich food, our food is so rich, right? So I feel like I've had some kenke or something like that, you know? (laughs) Giving it to me. Thank you for all you've shared so openly. I have um, just one more question, sure. and then I'll ask you my closing questions. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, actually, I have two more. Two more. So one is when you look at our culture. So you know, you talked about the Me Too movement. You talked about how even for me as a Nigerian, we are you know we are bolder, but women actually are often penalized for being too bold, being too out there. Who do you think you are? I have one of you at home type of thing. Mm. And, you know, we have different across the diaspora, you see how women have to kind of navigate these different cultures and and patriarchy and, and bias. So what do you think needs to change in culture, if any, for women to be able to contribute fully? Um, what needs to change in culture? I think the culture has already changed, at least in America. And I'm seeing that across the world. I travel a lot um, just to gain perspectives from other cultures and other parts of the world. And I love to travel. So um, I think the culture has already changed. Um, and people are looking to women and to leaders. Uh, you know, I think the biggest thing, going back to that preparedness, is if you are a, a trustworthy uh, person, if your delivery is in such a way that people can receive it, mm-hmm. you will succeed. <clears throat> you know, so I'm one of those people that I'm not really afraid to uh, speak, mm-hmm. be it publicly or, or small groups or privately, because I've done my homework yeah. and I can speak confidently on on those things. And so I think the culture has already changed and the window or the door is wide open for women. wide open for women to lead now more than ever and especially women of color you are seeing it every single day women of color being elevated to positions of leadership not simply because of the black lives matter movement but because they've always been there because they've always been really the best at what they do that's right it's just that now the opportunity has come and we are in a position where we're needed. That's right. That's right. You know, so that's what I say. For me, I, I, I don't look for opportunities because I am a woman of color or a woman. I look for opportunities that allow me to shine just because I'm the best one for it. Period. There you go. Well, there you go. Period. You know, that Period. is my mantra. That is what I go by. But I also realize that I am uniquely qualified for the climate that we're in today. So while I've always had the ear of my clients and they respect my opinion, period, now uh, in the climate that we're in, they are leaning on me even more because I realize, well, guess what? I, she, uh, we didn't necessarily hire her because she's a black woman. We didn't necessarily trust her because of that, but even more so now, yeah. they're looking for my counsel. They're looking for my leadership. And so I say that to women everywhere, whether you're a woman of color or not, now's our time. That's right. 
but don't get up there and mess it up for the rest of us and those coming up behind us. Let me yeah. be clear. Mm -hmm. Because there's a lot of foolishness out there. Mm -hmm. And if I step into a space and I do not represent well, the next African woman that they meet, the mm -hmm. next, you know, person who reminds them of me that they meet, they're going to assume the same. Mm -hmm. And the same way, because I hold myself to a high standard, hopefully when they meet the next person that reminds them of me, all of those, those good thoughts and that trust will also confer onto them. Mm, legacy. Yes. So important. What are you yep. leaving behind? You know, when you were speaking, what was coming up for me was just this image of Queen Esther, right? Who is one of my biblical mm -hmm. icons, right? And how you are in for such a girl, for such a time. For such a time this. as this. And you I know, used that analogy in this time. It's mm. interesting you bring that up. I literally wrote a piece on that on my Facebook page, my personal side. Mm. And I said our voices have been primed for such a time as this. Mm, we mm, cannot mm. sit still. And mm. just like Queen Esther, mm -hmm. you know, may I lose my head or not, you know, you'll be judged for it. And, mm -hmm. and God will send help from another source. But That's what that story is about. If yes. you don't stand up, if you don't do it. Relief. Yes. He will send relief for his people from another source, you know? So, for me, for exactly like Queen Esther, for such a time as this, this yes. is our time, women around yes. the world, this is our time. So whether it is serving on the front lines, mm. whether it is teaching the young people, whether it is being a global entrepreneur or being a mother at home, the influence that you have in your home even, mm. now is the time. Mm. Now is the time. Now is the time and it's all valuable and so important. And back to your statement about preparing and your admonition. So, you know, Abba's just given us a call, a charge and an admonition as any good preacher would, right? Because, you know, she's preaching up in here. But this <laughs> admonition to how important it is that when we rise, we rise and we do the work well. I'm reminded of how important it is as we prepare intellectually and as we prepare experientially, remembering Esther, as we have both shared that we're women of faith, before Esther approached the throne, she fasted and prayed and she did the spiritual preparation. So there's an emotional and psychological and spiritual preparation that we need to make sure we do, that we are grounded in who we are. And then when we do that work, when we do our inner work, and I'm all about that inner work, you put on your royal robes, you stand firm, and you show up and you take your place because you're necessary. Mm -hmm. Abba, you've just given us life. You've mm -hmm. just blessed us. We really appreciate you. Now, because I'm, I'm a typical Nigerian or African, I cannot let you go just without Jara. So Jara means extra. You know, when you go to buy something, they give you what you paid for, and then you say, where's my Jara? So is there <laughs> Jara wisdom that you have for us that you want to drop before we go? <laughs> I will just say, for me, uh, I don't know why, for the last two weeks, everywhere I turn, the same verse keeps coming to me from various sources. And it is, seek ye first the kingdom of God mm. and all its righteousness and all these things shall be added, added. unto you. Mm. For some reason, over the last, the course of the two weeks, 
I turn on YouTube, there it is. Uh, I dial into our weekly digital service, there it is. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know, it keeps coming, it keeps mm. coming, it keeps coming. Yeah. And so I'm just bringing that up today because over my life it has come up from when I was in Sunday school as a child mm -hmm. to my life today. Mm -hmm. And it is going back to where you're grounded. Yeah. <clears throat> Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all its righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I will achieve success in my life. Mm. I will achieve all of those things that I've dreamt of my whole life and probably beyond because I probably don't even think as big as enough as what God has in store for me. That's right. But if I don't seek first the kingdom, what have I gained? That's right. What have you gained? That's, I will leave wow. you with that. Wow. And that was serious, Jara. And first of all, can I just say to the listeners, when I asked Abba to be on the podcast, I had no, I, I didn't know your faith. And that wasn't why I asked her on. I asked her on because of her excellence. And so to hear you, because if you listen to the podcast, they all know, the listeners, they know, we talk, we're here about, you know, this is literally kind of church. So to hear you take us to church, Abba, <laughs> my soul is really blessed. And I really want to thank you for being your full, authentic self in all of your areas. You know, you've just kind of brought your full self to the table. I am truly grateful, truly grateful that you've shared your story of success. You've shared your journey and people can be truly inspired by who you are and what you do. So I'm gonna close with the two questions that I always ask everyone. What makes you iconic? And name one person that you admire and why. Mm -hmm. Good questions. I don't know if I'm iconic. I, I um, do. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> but you'll, you'll, never, you'll never get that from me. <laughs> but, uh, you know, perhaps when I'm dead and gone, somebody will look back and say she was iconic because. Uh, so I'll answer the question that way. I hope that I would be remembered for uh being kind mm. what makes me iconic is being kind and gracious um and i hope that that's what i'd be remembered for who do i admire there are many many people that i admire but the one that i admire the most is my mother mm. My mother has a quiet strength mm. about her that as a young person, I didn't see. And as I get older, I see it more and more and more every day. She's unshakable and it's quiet. And I admire her so much because of that. And she has a joy in her that whether she has plenty or she has very little, whether it is pouring down rain or the sun is shining, it's a joy that is not always expressed with laughter mm -hmm. or jokes or whatever it is, but there's this joy in her that mm -hmm. I have come to admire so much her faith, mm. and just who she is as a woman. Mm. 
who she is to me, to my children, to my siblings, to our whole family and, and the community. So I think she's the one that I truly admire the most. Wow. Wow. This is so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, Mama, for raising a beautiful daughter and sharing her with us. Abba, thank you so much. This has been an experience. I am um, truly blessed. Thank you for coming on our podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed. And more to come. More to come. <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. Be God well. bless you as well. You be well. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend. If you are listening to this show, it probably means you are ready to move from success into significance. Please visit us at iconicwomanhood.com and get a free gift to help you on your journey.